Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy and welcome my fellow conscious traveler. So today we have a wonderful guest on, Corey Allen of the Astral Hustle podcast. He also wrote a wonderful book on mindfulness called uh, Now is the Way. So use that link below to find that. But we uh, we started talking about mindfulness, but we kind of brought the conversation into how it can help you find you know, your purpose in life and understand life in general. And especially for my audience, I think it's helpful for pursuing ideas and pursuing ideas with wonder and connecting with, you know, your fellow human beings that we disagree with. And I think that's an important point to remember as well and finding benefit in that and the discussion around that. So we take the conversation of mindfulness into a more kind of abstract playing field, I guess you could say, that you might be used to um, and listening to the show. So it was a wonderful conversation that I think you will definitely want to tune into. But quickly, I want to say thank you to all my Patreon supporters. You allow me to kind of a lot more time for this podcast and its related content. And you kind of move, you're moving me closer, not kind of, you are moving me closer to being able to pursue this type of endeavor full time. Um, And for those wondering, Patreon is the best way to help support the show and send us to the stratosphere of the podcast land. So you also get bonus uh, goodies such as the bonus episode feed as well when you support. So if you are feeling like, you know, having more of my voice around for whatever reason you'd want that, check out the Patreon page. But you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and I think I'll start reading those occasionally as well. But anyway, enough of that, enough of my blabbering. Let's uh, join in with Corey by entering the Labyrinth. Yeah, I just want to start off saying thank you for coming on. I've been looking forward to talking to you. And honestly, I just want you to tell the audience, you know, what is your what is your path of where you are and kind of what is your journey and what you're all about? Uh, yeah, well, first off, my name is Corey and uh, I uh, am a author, a podcast host of the Astro Hustle and uh, a music producer and composer. And um, that's that about wraps it up. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I guess, I guess part of partly is I, I guess I brought you on for um, I read read most of your book and um, on kind of on mindfulness something that I'm trying to get more into and to let you know my audience is you know it, it falls between like the I would say people in their 20s like me and also just like people that are really curious and mm-hmm. mindfulness is one of those almost like hacks to the curious mind to almost calm it down. So I would be really interested on your thoughts of not only kind of bringing your book in, but also kind of this mindfulness movement in general and, you know, what your take is on the importance of doing that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's very important in that it gives you know, mindfulness practice, uh, gives you the ability to just respond to your life instead of reacting to life. So, mm-hmm. you know, most people are, are born with a you know, relative level of self-awareness and the cultural programming, the inherited family behaviors, the social reinforcements and all those type of things 
those all kind of settle into one's mind as they grow and learn about the world. And it creates a system in which they kind of feed back and just kind of react to what they experience. And many people go through their entire lives simply reacting to what they encounter based upon their past. And that leads to a lot of symptoms and a lot of problems, you know, that not knowing uh, or not intending or not wanting to have responded in a situation in a certain way or not wanting to have made a, a decision that, that one has made uh, is very common, of course. And so, you know, basically mindfulness, uh, and that can come in many forms, you know, the, the most right. common is just cultivating the, the internal space is, is done through meditation often. Um, but just having a sense of self-awareness, having a sense of what is arising in the moment, being able to de-stimulate your nervous system to a degree to where you can uh, you know, calm things down, slow things down, and have a self-awareness of your inner life so that you know and you can feel and be aware of what is arising, you know, what you're feeling, and how that you're actually interacting and engaging with the world. And that allows you to you know, author your actions and kind of curate and be more present with how you're showing up in life. And through that, you can uh, lean into, you know, being more of the type of person that you'd like to be. Uh, right. you know, generally, um, also with that, kind, you know, and ultimately, I, I, I don't put any, you know, quote unquote, spirituality or any of that stuff upon the concept of mindfulness. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty secular uh, type of experience. It's really only about just becoming more aware of what you're thinking and feeling in any moment so that you can then act accordingly and with more uh, intention in your life. But what often happens is whenever you, you know, through the cultivation of internal space and becoming more mindful, what happens is that the light you know, in, in of your awareness kind of grows a bit around you and inside of you as you become more aware of what you're thinking and, and how you're acting in life. Uh, but that light does not cease to expand in most cases. And as you become more familiar with kind of your internal dialogue and just your own humanity, uh, that light increases and expands and starts to touch other people in, in the sense of that you become aware of that everyone else is experiencing and sharing in the mm -hmm. same type of human condition uh, and all of the challenges and the existential terror and whatnot that you're experiencing. <laughs> and, you know, through having a bit more patience and, and empathy for yourself, because I go, holy shit, I was, you know, um, in a lot of pain or I realized that I was like really unhappy or whatever it is. Right. Uh, or I'm unhappy now and I'd like to change that. Just kind of seeing people from the outside, inside out, as opposed from the outside in, uh, gives you a bit more patience and empathy for others. And that's kind of where the natural arising of compassion comes from, wherever you start diving into your own inner life. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with all of that. And yeah, it's it's mindfulness often... For some groups of people, I guess you could say that they get deterred because they do think it's like this very, which which it is in a sense, a very spiritual thing. But they think of it as like this this non secular spiritual thing, and I don't want people to get deterred by that uh, mindset because it is is what we 
as we like learn more through psychology and neuroscience, stuff that's coming out about the mind, we realize that there are ways that we can help ourselves access the subconscious, right? And it's mm-hmm. also important because we're also learning more about how the subconscious influences our waking life, essentially. And it's the subconscious in the sense that we're not aware of what's affecting us. So what we're not aware of how our subconscious is affecting how we act, how we treat people, the way we think about the world, the decisions we make, all this stuff. And that's why whatever means people use to achieve more mindful state, I think it's important because it does. It kind of gives you this ability to visualize the subconscious mind and figure out, you know, what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, how, and then maybe find ways to fix that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of want to spin this into, cause I, I know you've, I've listened to your podcast. So I'm like trying to think of stuff that, that really resonated with me and to have you kind of express more, but also kind of this idea of using mindfulness to help people not only like living, you know, being more with the moment, I guess you could say, but also getting off of the loop of life where we're constantly anticipating the next thing in life and why you kind of think that's important to do because time is a very valuable thing. And I think mindfulness has a role to play in our concept and understanding of time. Yeah. I mean, it's important to get out of the loop because like we all just naturally as humans get into these habitual patterns, you know, whether one realizes how habitual the nature of their their lives are or not is up to them. But uh, everyone, you know, we wake up, we generally brush our teeth and eat breakfast and take a shower and go somewhere for a little bit and do X, Y, and Z things and have all this. And you can really track these patterns down to uh, really interesting uh, nuances. And then there's kind of larger macro patterns that we all go through. You know, we typically Mm -hmm. go through these cycles of kind of leaning into this for a few months and leaning into then moving over to some other type of focus or something. They're almost the seasons of our self in some way. Uh, And I think being able to be aware of those and see how you are one kind of almost breathe, you know, your, your uh, subconscious mind is almost breathing over these and the tide is going in and out over these long periods of time. And then also all to to the micro from the macro, uh, these, these little things that you do every day, being able to see those, you can realize like, well, are these things, these these habits and patterns that I'm locked into these loops, as you called them, uh, are these things serving me? Are they useful? Are they positive things that I'm doing? Are they destructive? Are they negative? Uh, you know, in, this could be anywhere from like, oh, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to meditate or I'm going to you know, exercise for uh, a little bit in the morning every day or every other day or whatever, down to, you know, something more fine and nuanced or in situational where, you know, whenever you go to a party or something and you know only one or two people you start leaning into some type of negative behavior, you go over and you want to like talk shit with them or something like that to try and to, you know, create this other mentality so that you feel connected and ingratiated within the individual and therefore, you know, uh, not insuperior to the unknown around you. You know, there kind of, it goes deep in a lot of different, in every direction really. But, uh, and that's just a random 
like possibility or example, uh, but you can you know look, find and discover destructive patterns and, and negative patterns like that, and then through that awareness, you can, you can stop doing them. So it's very useful to step out of those loops like that. Yeah, and I think it's also useful for the just going through life and making decisions uh, because it's like it makes you aware of your feeling in like each present moment and how your state is in life because I mean just from personal experience I know (laughs) that um, you know you kind of you get really quickly stuck in those loops and time goes by really really fast where you know you graduate from high school you go to college and then you know society in a, in a way kind of tells you that there's there's a plan that you're supposed to follow and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to go to college, get a job, get married, buy a house, you know, upgrade your car, whatever it is and and work for that promotion. And it's you get in that loop of you just you never really stop and you're like, why am I doing this? Do I want this? Is this what I want out of my life? Is this is this what purpose is, right? And it's like we're fed so much by society of what to think and what to believe and what to find purpose in. And I find that mindfulness, you know, and I guess there's, there's ways of doing mindfulness wrong, I think, but also it's just like finding your way to access your subconscious and basically just slow down. (laughs) um, So you can become more aware of where your life is going and how you're spending your time. And if it's making you happy and feel like you have a sense of purpose. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm also, yeah, kind of wondering if you had found in in your path and other people's paths around you uh, and a a similar importance of not only using mindfulness for the day to day, but also just being mindful for just life in general, even like the bigger picture of life. Yeah, Yeah. It's really useful because, you know, I think one of the things that recognizing a bit about you know, how you're living your life and, and gaining some intentionality in that, uh, in as you were just talking to, kind of waking up to the fact that we are instructed heavily and there's a scaffolding that's put around us from the time that we're born of like all we're told basically, here's what your value system is. Here's what you should Mm -hmm. desire. Here's what you should want to achieve or hope to achieve. Here's the general societal structure in which will be agreeable and give you the least amount of resistance hypothetically in life, which ultimately it ends up giving a lot of resistance to people, but in ways that are unseen or ultimately ways that people are, have become numb to as a society. But, uh, if you recognize these things and then begin to, you in, we often start kind of this individuation process of like, well, maybe let's see what happens if I take one step off the the path I was told I should do what happens. And we test it, you know, and it's like a little kid seeing what they can get away with their parent, with their parents or whatever. And then, so then, you know, and maybe perhaps in your teenage years or early twenties, it starts happening. You could, okay, well maybe I could do this and you face some adversity because now you're going through the jungle and there is this, this path quite literally. And now you've decided to pick up the machete and the machete is the idea, right? The machete is the, 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 the glimpse of, a type of free will, not in a you know causal sense, but in a, right. a sense of a type of like questioning 
what you've been told and recognizing the possibility that you don't have to do what the infrastructure around you is telling you to. So you pick up that idea. Now that, that, that machete slash idea is also, uh, it cuts both ways because now you will hack at the forest and decide, you know what, I'm going to not walk on this path. I'm going to see what's beyond these trees over here. And when you do that, what happens is that when you make that choice, you insert, you willingly enter a, a place that is unexplored and therefore more dangerous. So mm-hmm. it, it comes with a level of built-in adversity, which is a good thing. And so, uh, well, potentially a good thing. And so whenever you face the adversity, however it shows up in stepping off the, the, the prescripted path of what your life is, and you overcome that adversity, that builds in something far more valuable than even the novelty of living a life in a different way. And that is a self-belief in that you begin to trust yourself and know that, okay, I can handle the unknown. I can you know, deal with the resistance, the suffering, the whatever it is that comes from living life my own way, and I can manage it. And I can like think my way through it. I can you know, recover from however it fucked me up or whatever. And I can continue to grow and explore and be who, you know, who my instinct in my uh, senses are leading me, my intuition, ultimately, you know, your intuition is leading you to be this other way or do your own thing and, and be a true, you know, or not truly, but more original uh, in your path. And really the, the things that one encounters in the jungle, the thick of the forest, the dangers and overcoming that is a really important part of it and a very valuable one because once you do that enough and you learn like, okay, I can, I believe, I know it's empirical that I can, you know, do things differently. I will face right. unknown challenges that other people don't experience because other people haven't done this before, but I know and trust that I can face them and work through them and be better for them. And that is really where a lot of confidence, uh, a unique type of confidence can come from and ultimately lead to a unique set of ideas through seeing the world differently. Yeah. And I love the way you, you put that and using the the jungle example as well, because one of the ways I've like, and and I've also presented it to the, to my audience in this way a little bit is it's like you, once you kind of go inward, whether it's through mindfulness, whether it's honestly just sitting in a room and, and trying to like think about life. Cause I think that's almost like a way of achieving some sort of mindfulness as well. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like you, you start becoming aware of, it's like this this canvas that you're born with. You're in this like child state. You're you're going into the world and you're wondering about what's going on and like why we we do this. And you're really curious and you're always asking that why 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 question that's commonly referred to when you're talking about being in that child state, the curious child. And in a sense, we're all as adults. I think uh, a lot of us are that that start realizing that we've kind of left that child state. We're we're trying to find a way to get back to it. And I think one of those ways is, is like, okay, you started with this canvas when you were born and then it's like, okay, so now that I've become aware that this is what society has given me, they've given me this canvas, they've planted these plants, they planted these trees for me. They created a forest, like kind of like what you're saying, they created a jungle. So now that mm-hmm. you'd be like, it's almost like the first step is, okay, I become aware of what's happening. I've become aware of all these beliefs I've been getting these these 
reasons for why you should do X and why you should go after this job or go to college, like whatever it is, to fill that canvas. So then like once you get access to it, you you can make the choice then, okay, maybe I should clear the canvas. But once you clear the canvas, it is, it's almost like you enter a state of chaos because it's kind of uncomfortable because the whole foundation of your world is is starting to starting to become a little less certain, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, the, the common one I like to use is religion just because it's, it's honestly, it's kind of an easy one because it's like when people start questioning their religion, all of a sudden, that's a very foundational belief that people have and they build their, their livelihood on and their understanding of truth on. So that when that rattles, it like forces them inward almost. It forces them almost into a state of um, mindfulness in a way. So I guess my, my, my overall point is, is, is like, yeah, it's like explaining to people or finding a way to explain to people the importance of getting access to your canvas, getting access to, to kind of see the, the, the trees and the plants that have been planted for you, and then deciding if you want to clear those and kind of plant new ones. And then all of a sudden, like everything opens up that way. So it's like entering a state of chaos but also entering that state of moment of chaos to re-enter a better state of peace that's kind of makes you more harmonious in a way. I don't know if you mm-hmm. kind of agree with that in a sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, I think what you're talking about is one, uh, getting to a state of wonder, you know, seeing life yes. back in a, a state of possibility as opposed to a state of, of something where everything is finite and concrete and, and agreed upon. And entering that state of wonder opens up a lot of possibilities, you know, and then yeah. once you begin to walk into some of those possibilities, then you, then the second part of what you're talking about is then you often someone encounters a destabilization period. So now that is, that's the chaos that you described. And, you know, that, that does come from, it can come from if someone were to question their religion or have you know, a, a deep psychedelic experience or begin mm-hmm. meditating or have some traumatic interventions, you know, a near death experience or a, uh, someone close to them die or some you know, traumatic type of physical event or something like that. Uh, and these things destabilize kind of the ecosystem of our, uh, you know, of our point of view and the structure in which we view reality because we're, it, it almost like hacks the, doesn't almost, it does directly, it hacks the uh, archaic part of our brain because we usually stay, or people usually stay locked into one way of seeing the world because you know, their, their intellectual mind and the ego mind, you know, part of the ego wants to keep stay in control ultimately. So part of that control is creating this, uh, as I put in my book, you know, once a person creates their sanctuary, they've also created their prison, you know, and this is, we, we often, yeah. people live in the prison of their own mind, but they believe it's the sanctuary of their mind. So like certain thoughts and beliefs and possibilities can't get in and it's safe. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, very, very hard for a lot of people from that resting state to think otherwise, because how can you think otherwise if you don't know that otherwise is possible or exists, right? And so usually some type of, of, as I said, destabilization experience uh, is what uh, really, it forces the the animal part of the mind, the animal part of the, the brain to 
uh, in, in a situation, recognize and release the, that control, that intellectual control, because you're literally popped out of the mainframe in which you see reality. And once you have seen something, you've seen kind of this flash of uh, being forced to have your hand taken off the wheel for a minute, uh, then you see otherness and that then then just you now you don't have an answer, but you have a bunch of questions, you know, so you go, okay, well now what the hell is this? That means that perhaps the way I was seeing the world isn't all the totality and what else is there? And now, now I'm seeing and thinking about life differently. What about myself? What about, you know, inside of me and all of that? And it's a very valuable place to be. Yeah. That's a, I love the way you put that because it made me, it's like, because I don't know, part, part of my passion for doing like this type of podcast is, yeah, I want, you know, I, not only do I attract people, I think that are kind of already in that state of wonder, but also it's like you, you, and I, I'm assuming you do as well. Cause I mean, that's why I was attracted to your show. It's like you, you find people that are starting to be ready for that, uh, destabilization period. And I also think it's important to kind of let people know it's like, it's like you, when you question the, the foundation you've built your life on, essentially, it's not like you, you're going to enter a destabilization period and your the whole time forever is going to be destabilized because right. you want to reestablish something. But it's more about reestablishing something that kind of benefits yourself in a way. And it's like, yeah, kind of your, your center state, your state of peace, like whatever you, however you want to describe it is, um, I don't know what the word to use, healthier in a way where you're, you're kind of just, you're more active in life and more active on what you want and your why of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I really like your examples, but it's also like you, you mentioned the prison of your mind. It's like, you know, a lot of us, and me included, like when we're fed a storyline, essentially, and, uh, and we're given these foundations to live life upon, it's like those, those walls, and, and, and also in a way when we're, we're kind of told not to question them, honestly, and that's a, I think that's a big problem in society. And it's like they, we build these walls around our thinking, and they get really tall and they get really high, and it's really hard to see outside of those walls. It's, it's really hard to see outside of that prison like you described. But it's like when we enter this destabilization period, you start allowing the walls to fall down, right? But it's like, it's okay to kind of build something else. It's like you kind of, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it this way, but it's like you create your own prison, but it's almost like you get to pick the type of prison. So it's like, instead of having really tall walls, maybe you build a nice fence where you can kind of see what's going on outside of the world, but you can kind of still live in your world, but it's like, you're still really open to what's going on out there and you're still kind of aware, but you're still stabilizing yourself to kind of operate through life. That's, you know, that's chill and, and, and good for you, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. We, we can never escape a you know, subjective experience in right. my opinion. Yeah. But, and so, you know, you could just track that this, this prison metaphor all the way up to that. And so, okay, just being human, we're trapped in the form of, of being human. Yeah. Uh, it, but what can happen, I think what you're saying is that, um, and I think this is where the usefulness comes from, like a, a such a pursuit is that your 
perception becomes a bit more flexible and malleable, not in the sense of like, oh, is that uh, coffee cup actually a cat or something? <laughs> it's shifting and morphing. <laughs> right. It's not that. It's it's that you know you see the nuance and the multidimensionality of human experience and in the world of ideas, not the world right. of the tactile per se. And it's you can go, okay, well, you know, things aren't A or B. Things are often almost always a and b at the same time and c and d and f and there's just so many entry points to life to experience to meaning to symbolism to to uh, you know even emotion and, and thought and all that stuff and the more that you expand your way of seeing the world the more that you understand that everyone has this singular way and this singular point of view of reality and that yours is one of those. You are content and the, you know, the collective consciousness, not something outside of it or beyond it. And that really gives way to a lot of forgiveness and a lot of yeah. compassion because you realize, oh, well, I'm just a scared critter that's doing my best on a weird planet floating in the middle of infinity. And so <laughs> is this person. And I know I'm going to die. I have hopes and fears and worries and anxieties and just like everyone else i have dreams and wants and whatever and everyone else does and you just kind of recognize that all right like i am you know sometimes in a lot of ways litigating on the behalf of my story you know i'm i'm maybe that's not the right word but uh, negotiating reality on behalf of my bias and my subjective perception just as everyone else is and if you realize that it's like someone that has a conflicting opinion or a different life script than you uh, it doesn't make it to where it's, it's not threatening. It's not, you know, unacceptable or alien or something. Uh, it, it's like, okay, it, I mean, to me anyway, what happens is often a curiosity emerges that allows you to then go, now I, I want to know what that person is experiencing, not shut them out or tell them that they're wrong or whatever. I'm curious how they're seeing life uh, because by listening to them and being present and actually hearing where they're coming from, you can then understand and, and broaden the perspective of your own life. You know, I use the map metaphor a lot of like, as we go through life, we are taking this, you know, our, our perception of the world, we're kind of experiencing the territory and then drawing what we experience on the map of our mind. And that's the, the width of our consciousness and our uh, ability to see the world. And whenever we talk to someone else who operates, which is or most people operate outside of our explored territory, they are sharing their map with us and we can do the yeah. same for them. And if you get out of your own way and you don't try to make the world like yourself, but you allow, you allow yourself to let go and allow yourself to become more like the world, then you expand and absorb the information and the experience that someone's generous enough to offer with you. And it broadens your perspective and it broadens the ways that you can see the world and therefore understand what you are, who you are and what you might do in life to, you know, if you desire, contribute to the human species. Yeah. I really love the way you put that. And definitely agree in the sense that, you know, something I've realized myself kind of going down this path and just speaking from personal experience is once you become, you know, you you like enter a state of curiosity, right? And you, you kind of want other people around you to do that as well, because it's kind of like what you were saying. It's you become, you expand your horizons (laughs) in a sense to be more open to people's perspectives and, and be open to people's perspectives on how 
they get to their truth in a way, like why they have the beliefs they do and all that. And you become way more open to them and receptive to them so that you can basically hold a conversation for them. So maybe, maybe they aren't as curious and they're not reflecting as much as maybe they should. And I don't mean to say that as like I'm passing judgment on them, but let's say you can visually see that something in their life is a little bit off and they're kind of in, in their 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 inner state they're they're not feeling good right right and it's like how can we help them be get to a better state yeah. and yeah and one of those steps is i think is yeah you just kind of you're open to their perspectives as one but also having them connect with you and realize that you're just curious you realize that we're yeah we're on this floating planet in infinite space <laughs> and the more you 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 more you try to you pursue the world with wonder the more you realize you don't know what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. and but it's okay like we're we're all doing that together oh, that's, we're a, all, that's a luxury it's like yeah. it's, it's what a what a treat to recognize that you know yeah exactly and yeah, man. it's a it's a fun thing it's like once you realize it's a fun thing to be cuz like when when if if you say that to someone that let's say and I, I keep using this example because it's one that I think people best connect with is like a very religious person. They're, they're a nice person. They're, they're even a good person to be around, but yet they're not as curious because they have this worldview that they are stuck in and it's, and it's halting them from seeing things in their life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but if you come in open, open to their position, open to their mindset, open to their worldview, their child upbringing, all of that stuff. That is the, uh, to me, like that's the, the way that you get access to them when you have a different worldview than them. Cause everyone has a different worldview, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, how do you, how are you going to be someone that has a different worldview that's able to connect with your fellow human because that's what you want to do. You want to connect with them and also so you can help people get to a better state of peace in a way. Yeah. And, and ultimately if they're happy, then they, they're, you know, right. then why, why would one want to try and infer any change? Right. Because then you're exactly. just being a, a, a evangelical asshole, and, but it's like, it's not religious. It's just, you're, that's kind of why yeah. I use that term litigating on behalf of your own reality earlier is because it's like, it's like everyone are like these perception lawyers going around trying to sue everyone into, you know, <laughs> succumbing to their own belief system. And, um, you know, it happens in lawsuits. I don't know if you've ever been in one, but it's just a decade. Fortunately not. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, it, you know, it's just decade, a decade of, of, uh, of being in tra- stuck in traffic for a decade is essentially what it's like, right? In a lot of cases. Sounds terrible. And that, <laughs> and so that's, yeah, yeah, yes. And that's what everyone, you know, that's what we're all doing. And so uh, it, it, this you know, brings up an important point, which is like people that start sniffing around a bit of free thinking and a bit of like, you know, expansion of consciousness and an arising of a greater self-awareness and so on. Because there, it comes with a level of enthusiasm, excitement, you know, like I use the example in my book. uh, It's kind of like going on an, like meditating in, in, you know, self-development in this way. It's like going on an international vacation, 
you know, because it's pretty much the same thing. You're going to a new territory, which is unfamiliar. It's exciting. You know, you have to be in the present moment because you don't know how to navigate that society as well. You know, I know to speak the right. language or how to get a cup of coffee or whatever. And like, a, for example, uh, one of my best friends was in India recently and he just kind of showed up and uh, realized like, oh, I don't know how to order food. <laughs> like this is bad. This isn't good because there's a right. stand, you know, where people are going up and ordering and he's like, uh-huh, I gotta figure this one out. Um, but anyway, uh, so, you know, you, you come back and you're excited because you got this big blast, you know, your perception was shifted and expanded. You saw more of the world literally, uh, and you have all this deep experience that's changed you uh, and you want to tell everyone about it because you're trying to share, you know, and so people that go on the inward journey typically, come away with the same enthusiasm. I'm sure you've heard countless stories of someone taking psychedelics and they want, they never want to shut up about their, you know, the, right. the experience that they had or whatever. And, uh, that's a, it's a, you know, it's a healthy enthusiasm to have. It should be embodied in my opinion, but it's so important to realize that just because you, that's where one is in their life, like feeling that level of enthusiasm for their own development you know, you can't, you know, you just can't become the evangelical person trying to then force everyone else to like, hey, no, you got to think about this and like, check this out and giving people these, these ear beatings, you know, like, yeah, you listen to this and check this out and blah, blah, blah. And like, try and see the world this way and that way, because uh, that is, that's not how people learn things, right? It's like, so the best way to take your own growth and share it with others is not to you know, force it upon other people or to try and get people to realize things, but to embody and live what your own, what your experience is in such a way. And then of course you can talk about the, the things like with others, if it comes up and if it arises, um, right. but getting it to, you know, living through it. So it comes to where someone else outside of you can then observe it uh, and then have the realizations for themselves, because that's the only way that a human being has any true inner growth, you, you, it must be realized by the individual. And uh, it's an important, I think an important thing because a lot of people want to quote unquote help, right? So they get uh, you know, a 2% raise in their consciousness and then they're like, oh man, I got to go out there and like start a personal brand and do all this other stuff. <laughs> and, like, you know, and like everyone I talk to, I'm going to be do, you know, trying to, to get them on my, my uh, wavelength or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's not the way that people realize shit. You got to just, right. you got to just be. And if that, if the season of that person's existence is, uh, ripe for new growth, then beautiful, but you know, you can't force anyone to wake up. Yeah. That's, I, I love the way you said that because that's like something I've personally been grappling with is like basically making sure I'm not doing what you just said and being uh, where I'm just like forcing my projections onto people essentially, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I do want people to be curious, but I, it's like, you can't, it's, it's like, when does it work when you meet someone and you're talking with someone and you're just like, you're wrong. Like when right. that doesn't work. Like, although you can add some words to that, people are really perceptive when they're basically you're wrong, just being told you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can, you can add some nice fluff to it and say it really nicely, but people immediately when they perceive that you're being told, I'm wrong, all of a sudden their walls are going to go up and yeah, yeah. they're going to protect that truth. Right. And, and yeah, I've been like doing some reflecting myself because, you know, having you on has been like, you've been kind of part of my transition period of the podcast. Cause I've been doing this for, I think it's close to a year and a half now, but it started off as like this really 
basically like a like just a philosophy podcast, kind of just stuff I'm interested in, educating whatever it is. But I've had this like transition period now where it's like, you know, I'm not going to force my opinions on you. I'm going to let you know that like what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing and the realizations that I've had, and then you can basically take them for what you will. And kind mm-hmm. of the a big pivot point for me was, you know, I never was like an atheist. Um, and we can kind of get into this too if you want, because it's, it is a philosophy podcast still, but it's like, I never was that, but um, I started realizing that I was, was, how do I phrase this? I was like doing what kind of atheists do is they, they have these big realizations for themselves, but then they create a whole new worldview and they create that worldview and all of a sudden they want to force it upon everyone and everyone Mm -hmm. has to have the same worldview I do because I'm right. And, and I know what you're going through is harmful and I'm going to tell you it's harmful and you need to know it's harmful. So you need to get to where I am because then it won't be harmful. And that's a big assumption right. to make. You don't know that. You don't know what yes. that person's it's going through. It's hilarious. Yeah, I've lived. Yeah. I've I lived through that myself. You know, like I'm. Yeah. I'm still an atheist, and you know, by definition, I'm uh, uh, anti-theism. I don't take any theism literally. You know, right. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in a bunch of you know something. Uh, I believe in the unknown, essentially. Like, I don't think there is an answer. No one has it figured out, and I'm fine. I'm even agnostic about my agnosticism. You know, like, I, yeah. it's just no, no one can know. So all you can do is do your best to basically be kind and don't be an asshole and enjoy, appreciate, and be, you know, find some gratitude and, you know, right. be, you know, love the people around you. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's hilarious where you can find the you know religiosity just kind of sneaks into everything because, as you said, it's just like a worldview. And man, whenever I was younger, I was a hardcore militant atheist trying to like you know Christopher Hitchens and was one of my heroes and was and was trying to uh, and like I grew up listening to a lot of George Carlin when I was really young as well. And so like I had these mm-hmm. uh, this like hype articulate atheist chatter like in my ears you know and yeah. i was really I was like i need to try and free people from this bullshit illusion uh and uh yeah man it's then one day i realized that oh okay i know what it is and it often comes from uh people whose whose fathers aren't in their lives i've found just mm. just i've kind of noticed uh, uh throughout my life and it's that we you know people <laughs> Use not to generalize or oversimplify, but uh, but to do a little bit of that. Religion, it's good sometimes to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> religion is uh, it tends to exist as a giant cork to fill mm-hmm. in the existential human truth of the fact that we're all facing oblivion. We're all going to die, and none of us know what the fuck is going on. And it's, it's just, it is the source of so much ex is most of the, if not all of the existential terror we feel. And I, I had this question one time and this kind of concept and no one has, has cracked it yet. And it is like every action that we make and we choose to make as a human, if you track it down far enough, it relates to the fact that we're aware we're going to die. 
It's just the root, our self-awareness of our mortality is so fucking powerful and affects just every fiber of our being, right? So religion does a nice little job of putting a cork in that oblivion hole and it gives someone, people, something, some type of framework to believe in. And it lets them ease, like let some of the steam out of the teapot on their existential terror, right? Right. And that's, that's good for them. Like, I, I hope that that makes them happy, right? If that's what they need and that's where they're at, then beautiful. Um, and an atheist looks at that hole and goes, well, religion is bullshit. I'm going to put my intellect in that hole. I'm going to fill that hole. <laughs> and, they're, and so instead of becoming, quote unquote, humbled to God, a God, they put themselves higher than a God and go, I actually have this whole game figured out. I've put my ego in that hole. And now I'm above the oblivion, right? And so now I can sort of like, I've decided that that uh, I have the answers. And, and that, that's where a lot of the militant atheism comes from. And But it's just another form of religion. I mean, I you know, I look at like uh, uh, atheism in that sense anyway. Uh, um, you know, like I look at, you could look at like the kind of wellness, psychedelic sort of, metaphysical new age culture that is quite popular at the moment mm-hmm. uh, and is constantly swelling in popularity. Um, it's like whenever you start talking about like, you know, your, I don't know, your, your spirits flying around you, you and all this stuff and feeling, you know, uh, wearing a giant crystal necklace. that's the size of a, size of a table leg and prana <laughs> flowing clothing and, you know, talking yeah. about your spirit animals and whatnot. Like, that's fine. I hope it makes someone happy, but it's just like Christianity. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, man, it's great to, to not, it's great to have that realization. It's beautiful that you had it. And, uh, it's good to, I don't know, man, you know, like what the, as you said, like, um, the only way to really approach that is like with, with uh, that sense of wonder, with curiosity. And like, I'm, it does fascinate me that people can believe because I just, I simply can't believe in, you know, higher like deities like that, you mm-hmm. know I mean? In the sense of like, Oh, like, well, I'm going to go down to this church and uh, we're all going to eat something that symbolizes a 2000 year old dead Jewish guy and then drink his blood, you know? And then it's like, what in the world is going on? And then like really thinking like, Oh, this, this, uh, man, this guy, you know, 2000 years ago, he really set us up for, for, uh, uh, picketing gay people's funerals. You know, this is great. Like I, I didn't, I know that's, I was just being silly there. I know that's the extreme of of Christianity, but yeah, I know you're going. Um, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's just, it just, I just can't, it's not possible. I can conceive of what that concept is, but I can't right. live it. I can't live the experience. And so uh, I'm kind of curious if I talk to people that are religious as long as they're you know balanced psychologically. Uh, and then if they're not, I will curiously listen from afar for a few seconds out of kind of a further, it's like if you're a scientist and you go and you're like, yeah, I'm going to hop in the ocean and, or, you know, and go kind of research these these type of rocks or fish or whatever and mm-hmm. you see a great white shark you're like whoa like i still want to kind of observe that thing but i want to be too close because it's pretty dangerous right <laughs> i'll look right. at that from far for a That's minute a and get out of the water yeah <laughs> yeah so how did you what, what experiences in your life did you have that how old are you i'm 25 25 so like what was kind of some of the the your background and the experiences that led you to you know, questioning things and then trying to find your own way of thinking kind of in your own path in the world. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And you had me like thinking of all sorts of realizations as you were speaking because it was really connecting with me. It's like, you know, I, I use use atheism again as is like kind of like what you said. It's it's I I also like get scared to even say it this way, but it's like, yeah, I'm kind of anti theist in the sense that when I see like an organized religion, it's I see them as trying to force things upon people. And kind of what started this whole thing was I first was into into politics, honestly. And I've definitely moved away from politics, but politics is one where you start seeing that re- religious religiosity, <laughs> trying to say mm-hmm. that word. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you get stuck in basically a worldview in the political realm. And, and then all of a sudden I just started connecting the dots as like I was studying philosophy in college. And I was like, there's just so many religious aspects to what I'm doing here. Like, why am I doing that? Like, what am I blocking myself off to dogmatically? And, you know, possibility basically I'm blocking myself off to because I want to be right. I want to hold the truth. I want to spread the truth. I'm going to force this upon you. And that was like the first step. And then I will say just, you know, because I'm 25, I'll say that I've definitely had some experiences of a mindful higher existence to keep it vague. If you catch my drift. (laughs) Um, Uh, Okay. I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I've had some um, experiences there as well that uh, has kept me open to people's perspectives and realizing kind of like what you were saying is, I don't know what's going on. I don't have the answers. I'm going to continue to try to pursue whatever answers it is I perceive to possibly have. Um, mm-hmm. And even if I think I, you know, I, it's, I like to use the example of, you know, you have a limited amount of time in this world and you have basically this bag of marbles that you get to kind of disperse to various ideas and perspectives and beliefs you want to hold. And, you know, I just, I'm careful about where I place my marbles. And <laughs> that's a wise sentiment in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Many different meanings. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I definitely use it because it can have multiple meanings, but like, that's just one area I try to visualize it is like, it's like what you were bringing up with, so I can talk to the atheists because I know where they're coming from. I can feel where they're coming from, right? And then also even even going into the more the psychedelic realm, I can talk to them. I know what they're feeling. I know where they're coming from. I can visualize with them. Um, but it's like I'm also going to be really skeptical of when we get into the realm of, well, are you know, is what you're believing, are you believing that because you want to believe that? Like you have a desire to hold on to that because you think and you perceive and you feel this is the truth. This will make me feel better. And then once you're at that state, what are you doing now that's almost has those religious overtones that, you know, if, if I if I question that all of a sudden, you know, I'm the one that's being bad in some way. Mm-hmm. So that kind of realization and and I've definitely become way more open because I was definitely more on the uh, atheistic side of things when it comes to, you know, very godlike experiences. And I'm still, I don't know, I don't know where the fuck I am, honestly, but, mm-hmm. um, that's a good, that's, you're, you're right. That's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah. But like some, and this is actually, you, you've caught me at a very, very recent time, not only like recent in the past, like month or so, but also in the past, I would say year or so of being way more open to possibilities around not only, 
the non-material ideas around that stuff. And although I think there's a lot of fluff and a lot of BS inserted into it still, it's mm-hmm. like maybe they're more onto something than I once thought. And and this will be, I'll, I'll say this, I guess, because it'll be kind of new for my audience. And I also kind of want your take on it too, just because listen to your podcast and I can tell you're a very open-minded dude. And I always like talking to people like that. Um, but a realization in the sense around consciousness. I know you had, uh, I think you had Philip Goff on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, and, and consciousness has always been a conversation that's fascinated me because, you know, I, I got into it in college. I wrote like a thesis paper on it. And I basically came to the conclusion, like, we don't, we don't know. Like, there's something missing in this conversation. And I kind of gave up on it. Yeah, the hard all of a problem, sudden, man. yeah, yeah, the hard problem of consciousness. And I was like, okay, well, we don't know. Um, maybe we should trust science and they'll figure it out. But then all of a sudden, you know, panpsychism has popped up. Um, some stuff in physics with quantum mechanics and um, Donald Hoffman. He's come out with some stuff. And just all these various things kind of connecting with mm-hmm. the power of consciousness and this, this, although it depends on how you want to say it, almost like non-physical part of consciousness. Although you could, you, we could find a way to make it physical, but to kind of get where, you, where I'm going with this, this almost like non-physical power type of thing with consciousness that has way more, what I'm willing to say, I guess, is way more influence on our day-to-day life on the building of this cosmos uh, being fundamental to what we even see as the physical world. Mm -hmm. Once I had that realization and some of my personal experiences, I start connecting with that. I'm like, there, there really is a lot of things possible, you know, maybe people and to kind of like bring up an example that not to get too woo woo for my audience, but um, is like, okay, I can see people, let's say, let's say they're in some sort of, let's just call it like a, a retreat where they're meditating. Maybe they're doing ayahuasca. Maybe they're doing some sort of psychedelic. And I can totally see people being able to manifest something as a group and they visualize that. They feel it's true. It's true in some sense for them because they're all experiencing it. That's very real in some way. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to the point where I, I it's, it's hard for me to say, no, that's all BS. That's all just like something the mind creates and you know, you can't trust it. There's no truth value to that. It's just, you know, that's that's where it's like the the atheist material brain is talking to me to say that. Mm-hmm. But no, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is very real. Consciousness is very powerful. Like, what if consciousness is the one influencing everything in the universe? To me, that's like some sort of God concept within that. Right. So these are, <laughs> I know I just kind of like word vomited you all my like kind of inner no, thoughts no. I've had lately, but yeah. I, f- I hope you kind of caught where, my curiosity drift has taken me on my path so far and why I've become way more open to not only still like what the atheist says, but also still what the, the, <laughs> what the woo woo crowd says, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you're, this is kind of tracking back to that things are a and B at the same time. I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's great that you recognize the hard problem of consciousness and then, or you know, begin to, uh, based on some more recent research, like you mentioned Donald Hoffman. Uh, I, I love talking to him and he's a, an incredibly kind and sweet fella. Um, yeah. And Philip Goff, you know, again, another great scientist and, and you know, his book on uh, Galileo's air is really great. And, um, you know, there are basically, the, the people are trying to 
find out what you're talking about through, you know, the you know scientific method through some type of, uh, I mean, trying to explore the ineffable through scientific you know, reductionism is, that's a big question. That's a big ask, you know, but yeah. that's where we're at right now. And, um, you know, what's funny is that anyone that's a bit, has a, a bit, their, their anus is clinched a bit tautly listening to you talk about these type of things that uh, some potentials outside of what the materialistic scientists might know about um, consciousness is think about, for example, like Annika Harris was on my podcast and mm-hmm. she has a great book called Conscious. And yeah, I've read I, that as I well. Recommend. Yeah, it's a great Oh, cool, book. cool. I re- yeah, anyone that's kind of new to this, that's a good starting point. Yeah, I think um, that's a good intro to a book like um, Donald Hoffman's or Philip Goff's book. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's kind of a trip is that Donald gave me his book like two years ago and it was had a different title and different all this other stuff. Like it's just a PDF of what he was working on. Right. So it's cool to see projects like that evolve into. What yeah. Um, anyway. Awesome. Uh, yeah, man. So like in, you know, for example, people think, oh, well, there's nothing outside of the realm of the, of this, you know, the reductionist consciousness. But even your consciousness, which is verifiably, can, can be mechanically, scientifically verified. If mm-hmm. you take the example from Annika's book, uh, Conscious, think of the phenomenon in consciousness called binding. So for anyone that doesn't know, you know, essentially as our nervous system is taking a reading of the world outside of our skin, uh, which is like my catchphrase, which is, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's a good catchphrase. Yeah, as that's happening. Uh, well, shout out to Robin Anton Wilson. I think I think I can listen to that. Um, and so, by the way, have you ever read any Robin Anton Wilson? I have not. You might enjoy some of it. You know, take it. It's uh, obviously it's it's uh, from the seventies and eighties, but you'd enjoy it. He was like I, a mentor still, of mine. Yeah, I'll definitely um, check it out. So yeah, check out Prometheus Rising. I think you'd like a lot of kind of what you're going through right now and what you're talking about. It it addresses a lot of those things in a really funny, weird way. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> binding is, you know, as you are taking a reading through your nervous system, you know, absorbing the world outside of your skin. You know, she, I think she used the example of a tennis racket in that, in that book, in her book. And so, uh, you are going to hit a tennis ball and you, your eyes, you know, you see perceptually, you, you see the ball coming and you, you know, go to hit the ball as you hit the ball. Uh, the force from the ball hits the racket, goes through your hand into your arm, and you feel that sensation of the actual physical touch and feeling of the ball. You then you hear the sound of the ball hitting the racket, the loud whacking sound. And let's just say for fun that you're playing on grass, and as your foot slams down as you hit the the, the ball, you smell the grass, and it all feels like a seam, seamless, simultaneous experience. Well, incorrect. That's not how the, our nervous system works. What, what happens is that your eyes perceive, think, get the signal at one speed. Your ears get the signal at another speed. Your nose and, and fingers gets the, get the sense at another, yet different speeds. And as they are being calculated by the brain to abstract the picture of your conscious experience and your narrative, they are actually then synced in your brain so that you experience the illusion of them all happening at the same time or being perceived at the same time, but actually they're perceived at different rates. That is obviously an evolutionary trait that keeps us from, it keeps from going insane. It helps us be (laughs) functional. It's a very useful trait because otherwise we'd be in some, you know, some bizarre, uh, you know, it would be impossible as an organism to function otherwise, or, or it would be much more difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, 
you know, you think about like, oh, well, your consciousness is what it is. It is what I experience. It is this materialistic thing. It's like, no, even our consciousness in a scientific way is a complete illusion. It is a total amalgamation of, uh, uh, you know, so many imprintations and uh, guesses and, and impressions made by our nervous system in service of creating basically a story of our awareness that we can then choose to invest in and believe. Uh, right. And so, yeah, man, like, so just take that. That's magical enough. That shows the gray area of, you know, felt experience versus scientific information versus objective reality that can go, okay, there's a little bit of elbow room in this, right? So let's just take that example and then look at something more, as you were describing earlier, perhaps something a bit more transcendent, like you're uh, having some type of deep psychedelic experience and meditating with with some sound bath happening around you and you, everyone feels kind of the same right. vibe and everything. And you're like, man, this, I feel like we were resonating in some way, you know? And, and I don't say that, you know, I, I wouldn't dare to say that, yes, certainly we're all attuned to each other's frequency of consciousness. And there's some non-local river of awareness that's outside of human experience flowing through. And somehow we're all sharing the same shared experience. I wouldn't say that by any means, but what I would say is that it's possible that there's some other layer, there's some other potential of existence in, in the sense of how we're capable of experiencing, how our consciousness is capable of, of existing and tuning into other things that are somehow not familiar to us yet uh, right. that are out there. And so I, I think that that is, um, there's nothing short-sighted or even unscientific about approaching consciousness in that way. And, you know, if you say, oh, well, there was the, the uh, fox god came down from, you know, from the fifth dimension and whatever, and, you know, basically took a acorn uh, from some other dimension and put it into our brains and it grew into a tree. And then the, all those roots grew up into our, uh, you know, sacral chakras and they came through and then branches flowed through our hearts out into the, the, space in between us and all of those branches intertwined together and a beautiful rose, you know, grew from that. And that was all this connective psychedelic moment. Then I would say, well, that's just a, that's, you know, ridiculous bullshit and nonsense. And I mean, it's fine. I, I hope you enjoy the story, but yeah. that's, that's not reality. Right. Right. So it's and good to separate those two, <laughs> those yeah. two things. And I, and I'm definitely still separating those two and, I basically agree with everything. Cause like even that story you just said with like the acorn and the trees growing and all that, it's like, you know, maybe that story, you know, that story is a story. That's not like what actually happened, but what, what can we like pull from that type of story? And I'm not saying right. like we need to do that, but it's like, the point is, is like, you know, it's like trying to find little slivers of insight wherever we look. And that's like what I, my, I guess my overall point was is bec something I've become way more open to. So instead of like closing myself off to those type of stories, I'm like, okay, like I can get the vibe you're going for in a way. Um, and yeah, and, and yeah, it's, it's super powerful and, and yeah, consciousness, although definitely still mind bending and trying to explore what that all means. But, um, you and the top scientists in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, uh, I've also come to the point where, you know, if it's one thing I'm going to not, I don't want to say the word trust, um, kind of build upon, 
I think is something I'm at least currently safe with saying is it's like I'm okay at this moment at least definitely open to changing it but um is like understanding that consciousness I do think is like it's it's a fundamental thing because not only that maybe it's fundamental in the way like you know Philip Goff would say for example but fundamental also in the way or or he's also Don Hoffman he would also say that but also just fundamental because of it's it's what we see the world through it's what we perceive like however our consciousness is altered and moved and influenced whatever that is it's like at the end of the day you know that this is what we're experiencing with like everything right. we try to verify is through our conscious mind yeah which and, is affected by you you don't eat lunch until an hour later than you're used to you right. you have a piece of candy you go for a walk or whatever uh you get a a, a text message that wasn't what you were expecting uh right. you, the, the the allergens in the air uh, you know are a bit higher than normal that all affects your consciousness you know yeah. what i mean it's a very malleable thing and that's what to me you know humans have a a, a real habit almost irresistible uh, desire and need to anthropomorphize the entire universe. You know, we, we like, Oh, it, it is the universe exists. And, and very much this planet exists in relative in relativity to humans, which is a complete nonsense. Like it, right. everything, we are a content of the universe. And so whenever one would suggest that, Oh, well, maybe our, you know, our consciousness is influencing the objective universe. Uh, it's like, well, I mean, we're just still one we're, we're there's fewer of us than there are of most other animals and insects on the planet. Right. Yeah. So to suggest that somehow our consciousness has some huge impact on everything is just really an, a species ar- arrogance of our species. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's yeah. And that's why I'm also fascinated by the idea of like, you know, consciousness being kind of like this central source in a way because it would make sense with like the animals around us and all that it would it would would not only still like and this is maybe why i'm i don't not persuaded by it but i I find people are open to it is from that understanding all of a sudden you know humans get to put their ego brain on and still feel special because you're part of this conscious universe but also it's it's recognizing that we are playing a small role and, you know, we're not like, you know, we're, we're not doing everything. And, and for example, like animals and stuff, they're, they're not out there for us just to, to use. And, you know, we're, we're part of it, right? Kind yes. of that understanding. And it kind of, and, you know, then that understanding people can have multiple interpretations and disagreements still, but it's almost like it gets you to that state of being mindful of, you know, what's going on in a way yeah, and man, like making I, I, decisions from that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I look at it as uh, I tend to look to nature in the natural world for answers on most things like yeah. what you're talking about, because, you know, I, I would you know, put trust in the fact that the design, and I don't mean that in intelligent design, but just the structure of the natural world, it's got it figured out, right? <laughs> when when right. We, we are a product of that as well, right? Yep. Um, and so whenever I, I look at our role, like you were talking about, how does our sentience affect the organic, you know, blue marble that we're stuck to? Um, I think of like, well, I look at all animals and I think like, well, we're, you know, obviously just another animal, another critter. That's why I I call humans critters all the time. It's to remind people and myself constantly that we're just 
you know, hairless monkeys. Um, yeah. Some some more hairless than others. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I think, okay, well, what's the each species? It seems is gifted with this evolutionary superpower by Mother Nature, right? Mm-hmm. And it's what allows the thing to thrive and to kind of still be of use in the ecosystem of, on our planet. You know, you look at the giraffe. You know, the giraffe has a long ass neck, so they can eat the you know, the leaves that are up high on trees and that helps promote the, you know, future growth of the tree and clear off, you know, dead and dying leaves. It helps keep trees healthy. It's like nature's pruning, you know, t- landscapers, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the shark is the, is the garbage disposal of the ocean. You know, it's like all of the trash you want to, in the ocean, yeah. all the hurt animals and slow and wounded and sick animals all just get tossed in the disposal, you know, of, of that thing. And, you know, and so forth and so forth. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, some, some things like deers, like, well, they're mostly just meat for other predators, but they also, you know, their relationship with the plants and so forth. So everything has its role, its superpower. Like I use the shark example of sharks because it's funny that their superpower is being a serial killing maniac, <laughs> yeah. which is weird. Isn't it funny to think about that? Like all animals that are predators are serial killers. <laughs> yeah. But it's like what they're meant to be. Yeah, they were <laughs> designed good purposes. Yeah, sociopathic serial killers. Just, just uh, think of a uh, you know a, a dino, some type of like a, an alligator with just cold eyes sitting there chewing on a mouse. Yeah. You know, no, no emotion whatsoever. Uh, anyway, so yeah. what are what are our superpower? And it's our brain. It's our our intellect and our ability to think as far as we can tell in a way that far exceeds and to be far more aware uh, than the other animals on this planet and to have this power of intellect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do? What is our responsibility? You know, because the giraffe's responsibility is to eat the leaves. The shark's responsibility is to eat you when you go surfing, uh, you know, and so forth and so forth. And so what's our responsibility? Well, our responsibility is to use our minds and our ability to, you know, think so broadly and deep deeply and complexly uh, to help, you know, contribute our part back to the thing that helped us exist in the first place. And that's like, how can we bring the most equanimity and how can we help the earth conserve? You know, it's like someone does a, it's a controversial topic for some people, but like animal conservation is a, it keeps species alive, you know, uh, or how can we think to, you know, just keep the actual earth itself? How can we clean the oceans and, you know, reduce all of our previous damage and whatever? And how can we just use our minds to, you know, better the earth and play our role? And that's, that's generally how I think about, uh, like you were pointing to before um, this is like, that's how I think about like, well, what is our, how does consciousness have its place? And I, to me, that's kind of what it is. It's like, it's our superpower and it's our responsibility and we should use it in respect to the natural world. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. It's like, and that's, and maybe that's why, cause I can tell you are fascinated by it, but I am as well of exploring, you know, what consciousness is and, through as many facets as we can and, and understanding its role and all that stuff and how it affects nature, whatever it is, is because, yeah, that's what, you know, we're, we're humans and we're, you know, our superpower with consciousness is we're more creative and curious mm-hmm. and we have the ability to be that and do that and create stories and create 
all sorts of cool shit. <laughs> That's right. Um, so it's like, yeah, how do we use that? And how do we use it well with, with good purpose and whatever good means there. So, but yeah, I don't want to keep you beyond your time that you have for us, but it was a wonderful conversation and I really enjoyed having you on. But thanks, man. I really I enjoyed talking to you and I really I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. If you have any closing thoughts for people where they should find you and talk tell yeah. them about your book quick and yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Go over to Corey-on.com. You can find all the necessary things of the the composite that that uh creates what I do. Uh and my book now is the way, of course, is on Amazon. Uh, in my podcast, The Astro Hustle, is about two hundred and there's about two hundred and twenty seven episodes, <laughs> uh, depending on uh, you know whenever this comes out. Uh, so shoot on over to, the, to there, and uh, uh, also if you like music, you know check your local streaming service, <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of records and things like that. So um, that's about it. But it's all over at my website. I mean, hey, hey, Corey Allen on social media on all. And I will link it below for sure. Cool. Thanks. But yeah, thanks again. It was, it was an awesome conversation. All right, man. Thank you so much.